This episode is a debate, and at certain points in the show, some of the guests get rather heated over some of the topics. Rowers around the world are all known for two things, being the most competitive humans and using the most outrageous language. Putting them in a room where they can only use their vocabulary to win really brought out the best in them. Please do not listen to the show if you are easily offended, or with a small child, or are a small child with your parents. Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. In South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, crucial roles, high fits. Passion. Great. Passion, fiction, ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training, pain. Pain. Hey, this is Lawrence and Jake here from The Row Show. Uh, welcome to again to 2019. Hope you guys enjoyed the Sinkovich uh, brothers episode. We really loved it. We thought that was one of our best episodes ever. So if this is your first time listening, go back listen to that episode because that thing is magic. I uh, got Jake here with me. Yeah, what's up, guys? Awesome to be back in action for this year. Like Lawrence said, uh, if you would like to engage with us, talk to us about the Sinkoviches who who you would like to hear on the show, please hit us up with an email or send us a message on Instagram. Yeah, so today we have a completely different uh, take on the podcast. Uh, usually we have some amazing rower or crew and we have a long chat to them. Today we have a debate. Yeah, we've got a clash of intellectual titans here. We are discussing the championship event. Who is it? Is it either the eight or the single? So how it's going to work, we're going to have two teams of two who are going to argue against each other on uh, several points that will be brought up throughout the um, throughout the debate. But it's, it's an awesome uh, episode. We cannot wait for you guys to hear. There's a lot of banter. Um, there's a lot of uh, funny uh, parts of the episode. Really cool. Please let us know what you think. We're exploring new episode ideas. We want to bring you guys new content, refreshing content. So yeah, excited to hear from you. Yeah, I really love hearing back from, from the listeners. So new take on the on the concept so really let us know what you liked if you didn't like it if you thought it was kaka let us know uh we can take it or at least uh, jake can take it i'll yeah, go Lawrence, I'll, I'll 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 i can take it i don't know if Lawrence can <laughs> sweet guys that's enough of us babbling on let's get into the show sweet the great debate yeah eight versus skull hello and welcome to the rose show uh today we have the first ever great debate so it's uh, something new we're trying on the show uh, I think it's going to be quite exciting. What we're going to do is we have two teams of two. Uh, I'll introduce our contenders shortly. But what we're going to do is one team is going to debate for the single skull and the other team is going to debate for the eight. And we're going to try and establish which is the greatest event in rowing, which is the thug event, which is the event that is the king. So we have quite a group with us today. There's five of us. Um, you have your, uh, myself, Lawrence Britton, yours truly. I'm going to act as mediator and fact checker because I can imagine some of the stuff that's going to come out is going to be quite wild and uh, far-fetched. So I have to try and keep this wild rabble under control. <laughs> <laughs> then we have the two teams representing the eight today. We have uh, your other host, Jake Green. He's uh, been on the Rosho for a while. You guys know him very well. Um, and his rowing knowledge should have uh, upped since uh, his My introduced, is superior. Yeah, introduction to the superior. show. So Jake's dream is to row in the eight. Uh, so what? that yeah, should no, help him uh, yeah. argue. Can you stop speaking over me? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And backing Jake up, we have David Hunt, better known as Noddy. Jake and Noddy uh, came fourth at the, the Real Games in the four, which is only a small step away from the eight. So they really have uh, close and they're in the, in the game there, representing the sweep team. Noddy is definitely the intellectual superior on their team. And he, <laughs> and he was, according to Noddy, was under eight SA debating champion. So that's yeah, a really oh, good, <laughs> really good uh, teammate that you've chosen there, Jake. Well done. Yeah. So welcome yeah. to the both of you onto the show. No, thank you very much. Um, Jake will profit from my experience in this. <laughs> yes. There we go. Then on the team, on team single, we have the one and only John Smith. Uh, John has quite a history in both sculling and sweep. Uh, he has an Olympic gold in the lighty men's four, so that will be on the sweep side. But on the single, on the sculling side, he's got um, a lightweight double world champion and lightweight double world record. So that'll back him up in the in the sculling side. John is also here to redeem himself after he lost a brutal single race back in 2008 <laughs> and lost the SA Championship <laughs> yes. to yours truly, Lawrence Britton. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Johnny. Well, thanks for having me. And the skull is a thug boat. <laughs> team the science after that. No one cares. So then uh, on to the last uh, but uh, not least person in the, in the team, we have our only female on the t- on the on the table today, Nicole Van Veek. Nicole has a bronze and a silver medal in the under twenty three lightweight single skull. So she's definitely gonna back up the the, the lightweight oh, the sculling team quite well. And it's been Nicole's personal dream to be on the row show ever since we started. So yes. really welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad I finally got the call up. I'm in boys. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Let's go. There we go. So that's the team. And I'm sure you guys will, will hear lots of interesting, tough stuff today. So how we're going to run the show is we're going to run opening statements from each team. Then we're going to go through some key topics and key elements of each event and, and why they think that their boat class um, is the king. And then we're going to go through closing statements and then I will establish the winner. And then Sounds you'll good. be the first champion of the great debate on the Rose Show. There we go. Game on, game on. So good luck, guys. Please keep the language to sort of PG-16. Jake. <laughs> <laughs> and no, no yelling at the mic, please. No yelling at the also mic. Jake. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> so I think as John is the oldest person here, Oldest man on camp. A fossil. I think that the team scanning can go first with their opening statements. So let's hear what you guys have, what you're going to lead with. The superior event, the skiff, the single skull, the water ergo. One man, one desire. A beast that many have tried to tame and failed. A boat when you win, you won. There was no one else. The single skull is a boat where you learn to push yourself. You become mentally tough and you are your own inspiration. This is the only boat class where you are the master of your own fate. Nice. 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 <laughs> Pretty good. I think very uh, poetic. That's for sure. <laughs> Dramatic is what we've gone for. <laughs> 
But uh, let's hear what the eight is is got in store. The eight, the blue ribbon event of rowing. Eight rowing has been the cornerstone of the sport since its inception into the first Olympic Games. It can even be argued that all other events were formed to support the eight. The eight is the boat in which many people experience rowing for the first time. It epitomizes the elements of the sport that appeal to most people, being teamwork, camaraderie, and overcoming individual suffering to achieve success, which is greater than one person's performance. Really, really tops. I think both uh, teams fully behind their boat class. I would like to just fact check ready, Jake, claiming that the eight is the Blue Ribbon event. The eight and the skull are both Blue Ribbon <laughs> events. They can, and that no, is no, no, they can no. only be one event. He's just come out straight with wine. So the tongue is out of play, boy. It's okay. To be fair, he's not wrong. Yeah, is a blue he's just telling Wait, stop, stop attacking, militia attacking. I'd also intellectually like, no, debating. I'd also like to it. argue not intellectually his point. Intellectually debate. Where everyone learns how to roll a skull before they even step into an eight. I learned to roll a skull true. first. That's I learned true. how. To, what did you I, learn to roll? No, eight. In an eight. Get out of here. Get out of here. What are you going to do? Fact check that. I learned how to roll in an oct. An octopus. So, it's closer to an eight. It's much closer to an eight. eight. It's it's how many plates do you have in an oct per hand? No, but you place. have eight people. You have eight exactly. people. And it's Two the junior places. event of the eight. And you, don't leave, you don't finish the eight. And the Johnny would have learned the And Johnny would have learned how to roll in the eight anyway, because he started in under sixteen anyway. So no, no, but in a skull. No, but John went to a school where they didn't actually allow them to row. It oh, was yeah. just like the the training wheels event all the time. Yeah, and I know it's. I mean, we we all did learn how to roast sculling first, but that's only because no, it's I South Africa. You to eight, did you learn to row? Yeah, okay. straight up. So Jake learned to row real rowing first. The rest of us all had to start with training wheels, and then we progressed on to real rowing after that. No, you learned how to row in a skull because if you can row a skull, you can row any boat. Here we go. If we rode an oct, <laughs> <laughs> which was a sculling boat. I'm afraid, Nicole, that. Oct is definitely closer to the eight than it is to go. the single. So you guys can just chill out in the corner there. Stop okay. maliciously attacking us, bro. Cool. So that's been a good start. I see both teams are here. The gloves are off straight out the blocks and uh, attacking is, is violent. But let's see how we go when we bring out the main topics of conversation. So I think growing ranges quite far i mean you've got uh, all the way from world champs and olympics down to school rowing and club level rowing and different events and there's also tons of athletes so we're going to cover a whole lot of of the range of each event so it's not just the pinnacle that's uh, driving it on obviously that'll come up a lot but let's see how we go the first topic of conversation is the best racing so this is Maybe a specific race that you think represents your boat class the best or just a series of racing or, or, re, or, or races that you can think of that just highlight why your boat class is the king. And let's lead with who, who had opening statements first, you guys. So yeah. let's have the eight yeah, you, leading first. So uh, look, I know a lot of people like close racing. Um, and close racing is very cool to watch. But if, if I'm going to talk about best races, I I have to go with one where the boat really dominated the field. I think eights racing is inherently very close. So when one eight does go miles ahead, it's something very special. So my favorite race in the eight is the 2004 Athens Olympic final, 
with the the USA 8 who just dominate the field um, and that is a master class of rowing to, in, in anyone's books I think yeah and I think uh, Noddy saying there I think in the single skulls you often find that most uh, races are fairly spread out um, it's not often a close race so I think in the age the, the, the mere fact that in events like that you can have a boat leading by so far is a, is, is a good example of the the skill and the time it takes to make a really fast eight um, because inherently it's very difficult to make an eight that much faster than another person. Um, to bringing on Nadi's point, I think I'd also like to bring up the 2008 Beijing Olympic final um, where the Canadian men's eight won gold medal. I think that was probably a very good uh, just example to appreciate the level of skill and technical ex expertise that comes into rowing and also in the long run the kind of systematic um, progression you need to produce really fast boats and I think that lacks somewhat in the skull um, and you know the 2008 Canadian boat had a lot of big names on the sport and I know that the sculling team is probably going to argue that you know sculling has the best athletes but I think if you look at that athlete at that 2008 Canadian boat you can probably name a couple guys in there so yeah yeah I think just in more general terms the eight is the fastest boat in rowing and human beings just love speed. I think if you look at athletics, everyone wants to see the hundred meters because that's where people are running the fastest. And this is showed like the appeal of a fast boat is shown just by the viewership of, of rowing in general. Like some of the biggest televised events being the Oxford Cambridge boat races raced in eights. Um, and I think it's also it has such appeal because it's relatable to club rowers. Uh, I think the focus of many clubs worldwide is the eight and it's just it's very relatable to see people doing amazing things in a boat that you row every day and you can compare yourself to them and it's just it's very cool to see nice guys you some good races there I like the fact that you just led with the two biggest Olympic races at least for the eight. Um, oh, uh, well, yeah, I'm, staying, I'm staying neutral. Yeah, I'm staying neutral. Boris just said two biggest Olympic races. No, two biggest you Olympic races in the eight. Two biggest Olympic races. In the eight. Are you in hard eight. of hearing? Please, Please, I think there's some good contenders. The 2008 was also like epic with the with the British eight, the mm. black and black eight. Mm. So there are lots of good uh, examples to prove our point. Too many choices. So how far do you think the USA won the eight by in... Uh, 2004. Are we talking seconds, boat lengths? However, which way you want to see it. Jeez, um, no, that's a question. I remember there's a, one of my favorite scenes of rowing is Brian Volpenheim in the stroke seat and he's level with all the rest of the field's bow. So that was probably about 750 meters to go. So I would say it was about three seconds, three, four seconds. And Jakey? Um, I... I feel like I'm uneducated enough to make a <laughs> <laughs> No, it's uh, it is it's it's not as big as Naughty thinks. I think obviously the the this field bunched up a bit in the sprint, so it's only one point three seconds. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, okay. I think the Canadian yeah, final yeah. the Beijing final is probably a little bit more than that. The Beijing final I it was three right quarters now. of both lengths. It's probably actually a second and a half as well. It's also the same, 1.3. Yeah, so I think it bunches up though at the end. Like yeah. I think if you took the 1500 meter time, uh, which bigger. I don't have yet. Or the 1k time would be bigger. Yeah. It would be bigger. I think maybe it's just that the, neither boat was under any sort of pressure coming into mm. the last half. Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. There's no need to do a big sprint. 
you can win comfortably but by one. I really like the, the two races that you chose to highlight your event. So let's go on, because I'm quite interested to hear what the single cell skulls are going to bring to the table. You guys want to take it away? Sure. So for me, the skull event is so, it's so great. So like athletics, like tennis, like golf, like um, boxing, everything is on a name. It's on a person. You've watched Usain Bolt come from nothing. You've watched him become a world champion. You've seen how hard he works to get where he is. That's him. So for my example, I want to use Sunita Pospura. I mean, she started racing the skull in 1999 as a junior. Um, and then she went on to under 23s, where she came third. And then in the senior field, I mean, in London, she came first in the C final, 2014, fourth in the A final, 2015, fifth in the B final, Rio first in the C final. And then you start seeing that she's worked her way up to winning a world champion by five, just over five seconds, which I think is insane because that's one person who works so hard to win and not only did she win but the whole crowd was with her because everyone knows how hard she has worked to get where she is so not only is the country happy that she won but every single person is happy because they've watched her train so hard and everyone knows how much it means to that one individual that they she's come from so far back to work her way up to being one of the best in the world for me some of the the single skull, especially in the men's single, there's, there's tons of races, but one sticks out that even if you're the favorite um, on the day, things can go down. And if we go back to 2008 Olympic final, my Drysdale favorite to win. He has a bad run up, but he leads the Olympic final into the, into the last 250. And if we all remember Olaf Tufte, he comes through with a massive sprint and, and takes the Olympic gold, like a race that shows you um, Anything can happen and experience can take you take you all the way through. And also in these in these Olympic finals you you'd have any of these guys in your boat. Olaf Tufta, a great name, Amaya Drysdale. These are the best athletes in the world, without doubt. And they, they still they row for years and produce these these high quality results and these memorable races that that stick in my mind forever. And also like Jake said that Scholars um, are always like so spread out, but if I remember correctly, in twenty sixteen, the men's goal was actually a photo finish, because everyone finished so close in margins, and that's what it's become. The skull is become so close; it's seconds that people have pulled into each other. It's small margins, just like the eight. I feel like the athlete is also producing such high quality athletes that people are are marveling at. You look at a Robbie Manson to see the performances that guy can push out, makes makes for memorable at, memorable races, and also you inspire to be like these athletes in the in the single skull. Yes, like I remember going to uh, World Cup one this year, and it was my first time at a senior event. I mean, I don't, I don't. If I walk past rows and the eights and the fours and the quads, like I don't really know who they are. But then I see like Angle Fornade Rodriguez and I like freak out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know this guy. Like this guy is insane. So I think as a scully, your name is a lot more known and your ability as an athlete is a lot more known. And respected. Do you have 
Well, I, I would like to first bring up that uh, Nicole brought up a, a fairly valid point about bringing Sinita Pespira, and no doubt Sinita Pespira has put in a lot of dedication in winning a medal. But in bringing uh, for the exact final that we used in the 2004 USA Men's Aid, to give you a kind of idea that the, the, the system that needs to produce a, a good rowing um, boat and win an Olympic final like that. The USA Men's 8 that won a gold medal in 2004 was the first one that won since 1964. So Sunita Pespira had been rowing since 1999. USA Men's team, it's not about the individual, it's about the, it's about the whole. And as individuals in the world today, don't we all strive to be part of something that's greater than ourselves? What's the best opportunity than to row in an eight and win an Olympic gold medal? Yeah, and then my to back check up on that, I think the eight represents systematic success, where you can just have sort of one freak of nature come from out of nowhere in your country, and he can be good in the single. But the eight, you have there's so many more moving parts, and it's it's so much more difficult to get eight athletes all pulling in the same direction to to really get that kind of success. Also, on the, on the racing side, I agree, they've been very close races, but it's always between two athletes. I think in the eight, I mean, how many eight races have we seen coming to the last 200 meters where any one of six can win any one of the medals? And I think that's really where, that's, for me, that's the mind-blowing racing that the eight delivers. And a final closing statement. I don't understand why our opposing team is referring to other sports in this debate where it's just about rowing, but to, to keep going up with that, um, Nicole referenced Usain Bolt 100 meters, but I think the, the greatest sport in the world is the team sport and the greatest, most of the great sports that we like to enjoy and watch today, the big entertainment value sports are team sports. Sure. Soccer, rugby, no, for big ones in South Africa. How can you disagree? I think TV, athletics, athletics, tennis, the, the no, Roland no. Garros, the French tennis Open. Tennis is a team sport. Golf is also a team sport. It's not. It's tennis one is one. never a team sport. It's one on one. Davis Cup. Yeah, there are team, team events, events, but yeah, there's the but single is the, game, there's the game changer. Anyway, okay, wait. I want to come in a bit to because we're going on to our next topic. I really like the first topic. I, I really think it's, it highlighted the two things that I think we were going we to get involved in, like the eight being part of something bigger, part of the team, you know, the whole country, the, the, the system producing something special. And then the scholars, the individual, the like absolute peak of the, the physical specimen to go and put on a result. And I think you guys both brought, uh, both teams brought really, really cool races to the table and, and just, you know, just highlighted the, the, the cool parts of rowing, the parts of rowing that everyone is, you know, like rowers just love rowing and they just love racing and, the elements that you guys both brought up really highlight the, the reasons why everyone likes rowing so much. So going on to the next topic, I'm not going to give out the winners of each topic yet. I'm going to wait till the end and we'll go through and the closing statements and then I'm going to give out a winner. But talking about the best racing and then a lot of names getting thrown into the, the fold, now we're going to talk about the names. So it's best athletes, but it's also... It's not just the, the names in the sport of individuals. Like it can also be uh, like a team that has done particularly well over a long time. We're talking about the eights. It doesn't have to be an exact individual, but it can be a whole system that has come forth to, to produce something that, that everyone knows, that everyone speaks about, that when we get to a rowing event, we're all watching, we're all looking forward to seeing. So yeah, the eights led the last uh, topic, so the singles you guys can take it away. 
Take us away, Nicole. Okay. Um, some of the best athletes growing up, I think for me, would be Katarina Karsten. I think she dominated the sculling field for so long. And not only that, so she's now diversified into doubles and quads, and she still continues to be a big name in the sport. Um, and then there are quite a few. There's Janine, the scholar from Switzerland. She also showed like how hard work, and she, I think, she's a tank. I wouldn't wanna, I wouldn't wanna race her. If I needed someone in my boat, I'd definitely put her in there. And just there's quite a few athletes. I think for me personally. Um, in heavyweight and the lightweight division, I feel like there are the the big names like Andre Sinek, Angelfone Rodriguez, the Sinkovich brothers. Like everyone knows these people. These people have been dominating the rowing, the rowing field, the rowing audience for so long, and they are just such well-known names. Yeah, we can't mistake the over over history. The single scholars are remembered. No one remembers who, who sat in the two seat of your American eight that won in the two thousand four. Did you remember? Do you remember? Do you, do you, do you remember? know the name? No. No. <laughs> we don't remember that name, but we, we remember the Olaf Tufters. We remember the Yuri Janssens from two thousand four. The the name stick out. Uh, they keep they keep coming through and they're remembered forever because of how they're doing it alone. It's it's just them. It's their performance. It's no one else. They're not relying on, on anyone else to pull them down the course. It's it's them, them alone, it's glory or nothing. It's it's like you guys say that it's so great to be a part of something that's greater than an individual. But I can tell you in our squad environment and in any squad environment, you want to be the best. You yourself personally, you want to be the best. And if you win a Skulls race internationally at a World Championships, you are the best individual in the world. It's no one else, it's not your team, it's you. And as much as we say we love doing it as a team and we want our team to achieve, like these people are the greatest individuals in the world. Sure. That's the big punch getting thrown there. <laughs> Silence from the eighth side. <laughs> no, but really, really good points. Um, I'd like to just add in to the two seat in the 2004 American 8 was Wyatt Allen. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you do remember the Brian Volpenheimers. I don't know who no, that is. We remember the Brian exactly. Volpenheimer and the Carl Hamilton to stroke. Nicole, well, if you I, don't know who he is, you're not doing yourself any favors. You're not doing yourself any favors. Yes. You're bringing up one name, we can bring up multiple. So, yes. so, so just one point from our side. You, you do know the Sinkovich brothers don't yeah. row the single right? <laughs> yeah. I know they row the double. Good stuff. And the pair. Well, now they row the pair. But they have but also raced a lot of singles, though. Yeah, they've raced yeah. the single a few times. They never so. won it. No, but I'm not yeah. saying not necessarily at the World Championship, but they have raced yeah. other events in the single. Yeah. And they, are, they are known for their sculling. Yeah. More probably than their, yeah. than their sweet rowing. But I, I think, I mean... Team Sculling brings up valid points about remembering names, but I think that highlights the difference between the two events, is that the eight is not about the individual. Yes, you know some individual names like your Brian Volpenheims, your Carl Hamiltons from the Canadian eight, and it's often the stroke man who's famous because you kind of stare into his face when the camera's sitting behind the boat. Um, you get on the woman's side, your, your Elizabeth Leeper, who's just absolutely dominated 
rowing in terms of medals. But again, the eight is a is a, about a system and it's a collective. So people will remember Deutschland Achter and people will remember the British eight. You know what I'm saying? That's it's a collective, but the legacy is just as strong. Um, the USA women's eight, their dominance in the past couple of years, that's going to live on in, in living memory for generations. And I think the USA women's eight is an excellent example. I mean, pretty much every single regatta, there are different athletes in there. And it's, it just goes to show that this, the, the whole is greater than the individual. I mean, we can't argue here that a lot of the legendary scholars, single scholars, have put out amazing performances over the years. But you often see like someone win one uh, one event and then come seventh the next event and sort of fifth and it, it's very it's very difficult to find consistent performers throughout an entire season where I think eights bring that consistency much more and that's that's due to the fact that you're putting the athletes in there who are at the their peak of their physical form all the time um, so yeah it's just it's uh, a collective rather than an individual um, system and I, I would agree that yes the the physicality of single scholars is probably right up there with the, the best in the world but I mean we can argue that that's only half of what rowing's all about that ability to work with other people and to fit into a rhythm of cup of seven different people with different body shapes and like all pulling in the same direction and I think, I mean, the a big part of our uh, opposing team's arguments against the uh, why sculling athletes are the best, I think they they brought up very a very valid point of the individual um, excellence of the single scholars in terms of their strength and, and whatnot to argue why they are the greatest athletes. But I think that's quite incorrect when you um, when you consider that the many the many individuals that go into an eight. Um, you do. It takes eight really fast, uh, strong individuals to make a eight sing. And I think another part of your argument, um, you brought up Olaf Tufte and Mahi Drasdal and why they're such great names, but they also got into crew boats and they haven't had the same kind of success. Which I think goes to show the kind of um, kind of expertise you need to take into the bigger boat. There's more than than simple dynamics that goes into making a bigger boat go fast than your individual. Performance. My head Drowsdale was in the quad recently and he came forth and Olaf Tufta um, hasn't run an Olympic gold medal or anything like that in the bigger boats yet. And no disrespect to these athletes, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm going out on a limb yet, maybe talking shit about them, but it's <laughs> the truth. We're not going to fight you. That's <laughs> fine, you can fight me as long as I win against So wait, I think we, we've gone slightly off topic here though because we're trying to establish who is the, like, the peak of your, of your team. So like who is history and consistency yeah so like who are the names that like when you history. talk about the skull who are we talking like who comes who's the leader and when you're talking about the eight who is the like who are, what are the names and what are the teams that like jump up and that oh, people easy. talk about straight away now you brought up the Dutchland Achter I think the the Dutchland Achter the GB men's eight I think has been uh driving force and rowing um i mean they've been added they've been such a dominant force for quite a long time i think their performances in in rio uh, throughout the last olympiad and whatnot have been exceptional 
Yeah. Um, the USA women's the women's eight. Mm -hmm. They were undefeated for ten years. Eleven years. Eleven years. Undefeated for eleven years. I think these are massive names in the sport. And you guys? Oh, I suppose you did. You did we cover most of the, yeah. the names. We could even go back further. There's a whole book that's going to be a movie called "The Boys in the Boats" about a, an American eight that went to the 1936 yeah. Olympics in Berlin. Who won the skull in 1936? Yeah, John. No idea. Too shame. Oh, really good, really good. No, I, I really like the. The arguments from both teams, I think uh, guys are up in their game more and more. The competitiveness between the two teams is outrageous. I think uh, I'm going to have to get uh, my stripey white and uh, white and black shirt on to stuff the fight that, uh, <laughs> that happens at some point in this, uh, in this debate. So moving on, because now we've, we've really covered a lot of Olympics, a lot of world championships and the, and the, and the top of the sport. Let's take it down to maybe the beginnings in the sport, into the club level, into outside events. So let's talk about how big is each event, how prestigious is each event outside of uh, national rowing, outside of the, the Olympics and world champs. What events are you watching through the year? What events are rowers interested in? What events are, are club level rowers wanting to compete at throughout the year? Um, who led first? You guys started last, so uh, let's hear it from the eights. Well, I think this is a this is an easy one for us. I think to go off off the bat, I think the the most televised rowing event in the world, and I think the event that you know most people around the world know of that are outside of rowing is the Oxford Cambridge Boat Race. That's arguably the biggest event outside of the most prestigious event outside of the Olympics and the professional rowing circuit. Um, I think it just goes to show that uh, the Oxford versus Cambridge race being an eight event is not by chance. It's very, that's a very important point to why it's so successful. I think it, 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 um, it's a good highlight of the values and uh, merits that we associate with the sport of rowing. And I think it's, it, it epitomizes those values quite well. And it's a reason, that's the reason why it's the most watched event. And even outside of the Oxford versus Cambridge event, um, you have things like the the, um, the extra, which is a massive uh, event in the eight in South Africa. The two biggest events on the calendar, the schools boat race and the university boat race, are in the eight as well. Um, and I think at the lowest level, um, when we look at schools rowing and stuff, the eight is always uh, up there with the at the last race of the day, and it's a reason why it's the last race of the day because it's the most prestigious event. Yeah. Just to, oh, nice. <laughs> to go even broader than that, I think, I mean, when you look at famous rowing events, you, you always have to think of Henley Royal Regatta. Um, and just looking at how many eights events are competed at Henley and have the maximum number of entries. What is it? I think it's five. Five eights events. Um, going all the way from the Grand Challenge, which is Olympic level eights, um, down to the the visitors cup i think uh, my my henley knowledge is not amazing <laughs> but the it's the i think it's the ladies plate or the visitors cup one of the twos is where it's non-olympic but uh under 23 national athletes then you have a level below that which is club athletes and a level um below that which is then uh school athletes and it's just the every single one of those events, bar maybe the Grand Challenge, has the maximum number of entries and it's raced from the first day. So it just shows that 
that is, and Henry Regatta is the epitome for club rowing in probably arguably one of the biggest countries for rowing and the biggest competition for the biggest countries of rowing is the USA and there is no other boat but the eight in US collegiate rowing. Gee, some uh, big, big facts getting uh, thrown out by Nadi, some big arguments. Uh, I think uh, it's six events at Henley, so you you almost right, even Close. more. <laughs> but uh, I told you Nadi had the the wisdom in the team here. So, what do you guys have to say about those? Are, those are some uh, solid words. shots yeah. there. Are you, are you taking, taking the shots? Yeah, yeah I'm taking it. <laughs> um, I want to go on to to club rowing in general. Let's not speak about the the elite, but building the fundamentals of each club. We um, a lot overseas, the guys are the guys are learning skills. They're learning skills here. Um, as a as a general thing, guys are training skills. Is building the base of your rowing. This is where a lot of the training can get done, and guys can learn learn the skills by themselves. They don't need a teammate, and they can they can go out on the water and get things done and build a, a solid foundation to train by themselves and build themselves to a level where they can they can compete. And I feel. It's the skull is a great training tool in the clubs, and a lot of clubs, most clubs have a lot of skulls. Um, yeah, in South Africa, the the sculling fleet is quite big, and I think this is where the the fundamental of your your rowing can start is is in the the sculling. <laughs> Good argument, John. Uh, <laughs> Take us away. So, um, I think overseas there are great. Ace races, but they're also great skulls races. You have the head of the Charles, which is a very like well-known skulls race that happens. Here in South Africa, just like you have the Henley Diamond Skull, which is a main event there, you have the Silver Skull in South Africa. I mean, people remember who won the Silver Skull. Yeah, no one really remembers who won the eight race at Buffalo that year. Um, and there's a big trophy. And there's a big trophy, <laughs> yes. Um, but I think in every country it's big. I know for New Zealand they have the Māori the Māori Cup, which is their big sculling race. If I'm Bull not mistaken, Bull Web, the Bull Web Cup, which is a big race there for them. And I, I think nationally and at school level, most teams are selected on a skulls race. I know in our squad, whoever wins the skulls race is number one. That's who. That's how we rank people. Um, at SA schools, when you do um, selection for juniors, it's whoever won the seatbelt racing in the skulls or things like that. So I think if you can move a skull, you can move any boat. So I think just as eights are quite prestigious, I think skulls are just as prestigious. I think many of us sweepers who flounder around in the single would argue against that. Yeah. yeah your point is well made. I, <laughs> as an opening argument gives rebuttal, I just hear a lot of an, an, anecdotal evidence from John and Nicole. Lots of I feels, I thinks. There's no empirical, <laughs> empirical data being thrown out here. We highlighted some big events. And John's going about why he feels that people are sculling in the country. But and one of the questions is accessibility. Feet. And accessibility skulls are the most eight. accessible boats in any country. It's, uh, so where's a row club? Do you think they have an eight? Yes. They did just race. No, actually, Germiston just raced at uh, yeah, boat so race. Yeah. Soweto did not have eight at the boat race. They have skulls, That's though. It. I feel like your argument is diluted like everyone in the eight. <laughs> 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 the gloves have come off. <laughs> <laughs> No, so look, I think the the eights definitely. You guys didn't argue that uh, that that 
point that well because one of the things that I would have said is how the the, the elite scholars, so all the names that you guys mentioned in that previous point, they travel around and, and race maybe, you know, they race all the events that they possibly can through the year and it brings a lot of hype to those events. I mean, a lot of us, there are events that I've never even heard of that I see every year and I'm like, oh my word, like I see... Um, There's one mean, in Philadelphia. No, the, the Gold Cup. I mean, that was Manson, Ziedler, uh, Sinek. I mean, it's like a whole list Big of names, names that, you remember. Yeah, that like, just well, roll in. No, but I'm just, I'm just adding. I'm just saying this that is they... not part of their argument. They, this, 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 they didn't add this in, so this is just... I'm just you adding just it to the, to no, the elements of Pray, how... <laughs> of how that, they, that that part of the sculling brings value to rowing. But you know, yes, I do. I mean, you guys definitely thrashed that point. There was no uh, nothing that John and them and, and Nicole could say. Anyone who breaks out in laughter through halfway through, <laughs> come on, that's John, a defeated man. But to your point, Lawrence, there's the same. The same happens in the eight. I mean, if you look at any the the German eight, you follow any of them on social media. World champs is not the end of the season for them. They're for sure. Mm-hmm traveling around all around Europe and I think it's it's easier in Europe but there's plenty of races for two three weeks afterwards where they just competing in harbors and in little canals in front of big crowds yeah and just I mean I know I defended that the scholars but I also would like to add a point that I was bitterly disappointed that you guys didn't bring up is that so all the scholars race world champs and then they all go off to head of the Charles and they race at eight <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I was quite upset that. Uh, yeah, we, we, we did want it when we heard that the head of the Charles was a big sculling race. I was. Your house was on the tip of my tongue. going to bust out the north. Okay, so moving on. is So this next point, I'm quite interested to see because I think it's very open to interpretation. It's more about the history and the consistency of your events. So over time, which event has managed to produce? quality year in year out and we spoke about this do we speak about we this spoke about history well, well, well i think we touched on another topic we touched on it a bit haven't. so we touched on like the the pinnacle and the best races that you guys had had but like over time like on more on the average of of all the races how good are are the races that uh that the events are dishing up so the eight led last so uh, let's hear from the single scholars let's see if you guys can uh, redeem yourselves on that uh last element actually we started the last argument no we didn't we we didn't we did the eight started history and consistency there's been dominance in since i can remember with a lot of a lot of single scholars are are dominating the events um your castings your my they've they've dominated events um consistently year after year but then also producing some um historic races where it's been been really close and um, so the consistency, there's definitely consistent winners over time, and then the history, the event is just guys are just producing outrageous things, um, going subs what subs over six thirty in a single, which is I think like you haven't heard of these things before. The records are being smashed. So I feel like the quality of athletes just getting better and better each year. To put sort of three seconds onto a record is. Um, showing you the quality of athletes and making history. Also, on another side, I think athletes themselves have to learn how to be consistent. So, I mean, we have our Kim Brennans, who was 
consistently fast. She was consistently working at being a better athlete all the time. And then over a course of a couple of years, you can see how she dominated the field. But if you have someone for Manson example, he isn't necessarily always consistent. So sometimes he has good days and sometimes he has bad days. So I think consistency is a lot more variable in, in the Skulls event because athletes aren't as consistent as crew boats. But I think that's what makes the event so much more exciting because on the day you don't know which athlete is going to bring their greatest game to the table. It's always whoever is the best on the day is the best. Whereas I feel like in the eights events, it's generally a trend of who is the fastest and who's the strongest. And if one person isn't on their top game, it's not going to really make um, much difference to the actual outcome of the event. I mean, with also the consistency over the years, we've seen the same athletes in the skull year after year producing top performances, whereas guys in the eights are, are chopping and changing. Mm-hmm. They keep putting new guys in, whereas... The top level and the single, no one can break into us a lot. Like guys are struggling to break into it. Oli Zadler is just coming, but for years we've, we keep seeing the the Myers, uh, all of these, the Andre Sinek, this year after year they're batting out and they've been doing it for years and years. Olaf Tufta, Yuri Jansen, these guys have been going. And even before then, the, I think Karpinen, he's been there. These are the legends of the sport that were just producing results year after year, producing these performances that. A lot of guys are not going into the skull because of the big names there, because these guys year after year are pushing out consistent top-end performances and not letting anyone break into the event. Nice. I think that's a tough point to, to argue on. What do you guys have to say about it? So I think I'd, I'd like to argue the history point slightly differently and say, so, I mean, going back to the first time throwing was in the Olympics, the single skull and the eight were both in the in the program and they were both hotly contest I think it was those two and the Cox pair and the Cox four yeah were the those are the four events the four events that were um competed in the first uh, Olympics that rowing was in but my my argument would be historically and even to this day if you went to the head coach of a system and said you have one in a, in a big system like we're talking the powerhouses of of rowing you have the option to win gold in the eight or gold in the single which one are they taking I think I would argue, bar none, they would take the eight. And I think it, it shows also in the, the type of athletes, or the, the type of countries that are dominating the different boat classes. Your Germany's, America, GB, um, all of your, your really big countries, Australia, they're not dominant forces in the single because usually their top athletes are in the crew boats and if the eight is the priority, they'll be in the eight. I think definitely Germany, their top athletes are all go in the eight. And yes, there's probably a, a divide between sculling and and sweep. But given the option, I would, and I'm, I'm not talking from knowledge here, but a lot of German athletes would row the eight if they had the option because that's their premier event. And you talk to any, I mean, my experience of talking to any uh, row from an, the older generation of South African rowing. The eight is the only boat. You row the single if you have an amazing athlete who doesn't fit into your eight. <laughs> That's the mentality. Um, so I think from a historical point of view, the eight has always been the, the one to win. I think uh, on the history point, 
I'd like to bring up some um, some actual dates and some real history instead of some anecdotal feelings <laughs> about the six skulls. Okay. I think again, when we spoke about the Oxford Cambridge boat race, how it's the most televised event in the world. I'd also like to just bring out there that the event has been happening since 1856. 1856. It's been happening for more over a hundred years that this event has been competing in the eights, and there's no doubt the influence. That that has had from a historical perspective as rowing in a sport is is uh, no doubt widely felt. For example, the fact again that in South Africa we have two big events that are modelled off the Oxford Cambridge uh, boat race in our universities and school boat race event from a historical from a historical perspective. Um, Ace rowing <laughs> has been way more dominant and a driving force throughout history. Yeah, and even America's copied the, the concept. I know Yale and Harvard have a, a boat race type event. Harvard, Yale, I think it's called a boat. I think they even call it the boat race, don't they? I'm not sure. But Harvard, Yale, every year is modeled off the same thing. I would like to rebut some of the points there. Please, so, go ahead, Yes. John. So Nadi said a lot of the big the big teams are going are gonna to pick the eight. But if I, if I said to you personally and said, if, do you want to be in the two seat would you rather be in a two seat of an eight or be the singles world champion olympic champion of the world you can't tell me you're going to pick the two seat of an eight over the singles world champion the prestige is it's not at the same level of physical athlete of sitting in the back of an eight and enjoying the ride to victory where's where it's you and then my next point um jake speaks about the the eight and the big races and he says, we have two races here that um, are based off Oxford, Cambridge, yes, but our biggest race in South Africa is the Grand Challenge, which is for the four, and the Silver Skulls, which is the biggest race, the two biggest races in South Africa with the most historic um, prestige in our country, and that's the Single Skull and the, and the four. And I've won the eights a lot of time at Buffalo, but it's, it really means nothing when you compared to getting your name on the Silver Silver Skulls Trophy in South Africa. So so to your point, John, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think we're back to that argument of on an individual level versus a systematic level. Do we ever speak about the Czech Republic or Cuba being powerhouses of world rowing? No, I but would, it's exceptional that they can be produce athletes that they do. But I, I don't think it's exceptional to have a freak of nature come through a system. I think it's exceptional to get eight people to... But we, I, I see the powerhouse of Will Rowan that are dominating all the events. So in New Zealand that are, are winning multiple events. That's where I see a powerhouse team, uh, a GB that are winning multiple events. If Germany just wins the eight, I don't think your Germany is the powerhouse event. Or if I see Cuba winning, winning a singles race, I don't think your powerhouse, powerhouse team, I think... Powerhouse team is but the whole team, the whole squad. There we go, the whole team, the whole squad. And to keep going on that point, I dominating think you could also multiple say events, that not just your one. Back event. on the history, some actual dates again. At the 1936 event in Berlin, I think just to bring to the importance of eight rowing, where USA won the gold medal in that event against uh, in Germany. I think the reason that race is remembered, specifically the eight race, because it's a contest of countries, not individuals, and and. In that aspect, you had the forces, um, forces such as um, Hitler's regime in Germany. That's why that race is so remembered so well. 
And that's why, from a historical perspective, why H rowing is so dominant and why it's so important. So on the history point, the first actual ever recorded rowing race was in 1750, and it was the Doggett's Coat and Badge, badge, which is a skulls race. No, it's not. It's against watermen. Watermen can be guys paddling their wooden boats with one oar. It's a skulls race. No, it doesn't. It's a sculling boat race. No, it's not. It's against watermen. What is Waterman? That's such a vague term. I, I will read you God, the exact read paraphrase. Read, read. Today it is raised at the date, okay, in uh, the contemporary oh, well single skulls boats. Oh, contemporary. Contemporary means modern, but when it started, was it raised in single skulls? Yes. Contemporary. No. Contemporary also, means modern. Coming, coming to your point of the country, if you're in a single skull, you're still racing for your country against another country. That doesn't change the... But it's about the individual, it. it's not about the country. No, but it can also be about, about your country. You race for your country. You remember yeah. Olaf Tifter, my Drasdale, not Norway or Norway. New Zealand. You no, you won don't. the gold for no, Norway. But we and Michael Phelps. Correct. Also, he's no, races for America. Incorrect. Nicole, what country did Yuri Janssen race for? Yuri Janssen. Oh, we're picking on people's <laughs> rowing knowledge. It's not. It's not necessarily about anyway, the rowing knowledge. It's about. This is an intellectual so, debate. Yeah. Just, just one more point to to John's point. Um, you talk about the powerhouses of rowing dominating across the board of all of the events, but how often do you see those powerhouses of rowing hedging their bets on the eight? Holland has done it. Holland is a dominant force across all events in rowing. They often prioritize their eight. GB often prioritize their eight. Um, Germany, I take your point that they are maybe sort of very focused on the eight. So I'll, I'll take that out. France tried to put hedge all their bets on the eight for the 2016 Olympics for a long time. I think that just shows the, the prestige that's seen in the eight, that these countries that are seen as big names in, in world rowing yes, want to win it so badly. But if they had a, a single sculler in the eight that they could win with, the chances that that person would be in the single skull is high. So there's the hedging their bets on the eight because it's also prestigious, but if they had a chance of winning the single, they're also going to go for that. I don't think so. But anyway, I, I agree that both points have, uh, I must say, you guys, uh, their, their, their start was rocky and your charge was uh, really strong and then their, their rebuttals were, were pretty good. So that was a really, it was much closer than I, I thought it was going to be coming out the blocks. Please calm down. <laughs> just relax. Okay. I would like, <laughs> so into, into our last topic and actually it's, it's been incredibly close to two arguments that we've had so far and I really want to... I think that this last one is, 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 is the crux of both events. So we're going to go into it and it's, I want to go into the expertise and the skill required to win in the eight or in the skull. And which one do you guys, and like, how, how do you think, which one do you think requires more skill, more expertise, more, more commitment to, to the, to the rowing cause to, to win. And you guys led the last one, so let's have the, the eights going off first. Okay, well, um, just straight out the blocks, I think we talk about expertise and skill. That's something that needs to be learned. And in rowing and many other things, there's always someone that's teaching you. And in, in, in rowing world, that's the coaches. And I think without a doubt, if you have the coaches uh, epitomizing the, 
the 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 level of expertise you need the the best coaches in the rowing world and the most ex, the most well-known coaches in the rowing world would definitely be remembered for eights racing i think mike sprattling is well known for the canadian men's eight and the and uh, um, moving to the Russian uh, system Let's and the English system. Let's talk about the Russian team, please. Um, we can also talk about probably the most well-known coach in the world, Jürgen Krobler, in the, the GB system, heading up the eight day. Um, you know, these are some big names, and I think it just goes to show that the kind of expertise the expertise you need to lead the field, and Mike Teddy is another big one in the USA, leading up the USA men's eight. Um, Madhi, I don't know if you would like to add to that. I think Mike Teddy is the USA women's eight. Oh, no, he was the eight. No, he's the men's eight. He was the men's eight. Okay. He was the men's eight. Coach Brian. Ah, okay. It's a pleasure. My, my mistake, yeah. Look, I think the technique side, everyone comes out of, everyone learns to row in the beginning. You learn to row a certain way. And you develop your own sort of style of technique. And I think we can all agree here that the hardest thing to do in rowing is to drastically change that technique. And I think that's, that's not something that's required in a single. In a single, you can row how you row, and you just row how you row as well as possible. Whereas when you get in an eight, everyone needs to align their techniques exactly the same. So every single person needs to change themselves in a way to fit with other people. And I think that bar none is the hardest technical thing to do in rowing. Um, the other point with the eight is that it's a very fast boat and I think the speed of, of a boat brings a lot of technical difficulties with turning the front and agility and you have to be so clean on, on everything you're doing and so exact. Um, and just a, a bit of a little bit of a biased pointer, I think sweep being with the fact that you're only in charge of one side and one oar makes it much more technically difficult to execute. That's my own opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like I said, that's that's just a little side point from my own point of view. Okay, so before you rebuttal mm. all of their, their comments, let's hear uh, what you have to say about the single skull. So on a start of the single skull, um, from the point we see it is that um, the, smaller, the smaller the boat, the more expertise you need to, to manage the boat. Um, a lot of guys tip in the, the single because it's very unbalanced. It's hard to it's hard to actually get right when you learn where's how many people tip an eight. Besides part <laughs> <laughs> very few. Um, but to to master a skull is is, is a lot harder than at rowing time with with eight other guys. Um, I also like to think about is you've got double the amount of oars, so it's like juggling with one ball versus juggling with two balls. It's not. It's not in the same in the same league. You have two handles, two things to worry about, um, and you got to work on the the symmetry of stroke with two two multiple hands. I think it's also a lot easier to cause disturbance to the run of the boat in a skull than it is in an eight. Just so if I clip a a wave with my right hand blade, it's going to have a lot more effect on me as a sculler than if your four seat clips a wave with his oh. blade. For sure, if you definitely. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, if you're moving in an eight that's going at the pace eights go do, and you clip a bit of water and catch a crab, you toast. We didn't so, talk about catching a crab. So just talking about clipping. Clipping water. What is the definition of crab? If you, catch a, if you even water. you catch a crab in an eight, maybe you you get flung a bit. Maybe you snap an oar. You catch a crab in a skull bad enough, you tip. 
and well, that's your race time. Yeah, fair enough. You're talking about the the basics of the technical. We're talking about expertise. Okay. We're talking about so both sides. Expertise and leads. Not are you saying that, that single Wait, I'm don't... arguing against them, not against you, so you can just relax there. <laughs> and in, in general, we, we put the more refined athletes um, in, in smaller boats um, with, the, with the skill level in the sculling boats, whereas we put in a lot of the big, stronger guys in, in ace that don't really know how to move the small boats, don't have that, that skill, that like um, nimbleness and agility to to actually move the boat so a lot of the big big strong ogres row the eight i think not you've uh, raised a very important point of the fact that the eight is the fastest moving boat in the water so in, in order to make that boat move the way it does you need to be inherently more nimble and more agile because okay, the boat's you, faster you'd need more skill to move the skulls are slowing more the skull is a slower moving boat therefore you have more time to make decisions of your technical choices so i think i think what we're getting to here is that you guys are deviating a little bit too sub elite rowing and yes i agree that rowing a single as a sort of club rower you higher chance you, your technique is not great higher chance of falling in whereas in an eight you've got seven other people with oars that if they don't mess it up you're not going in the water but i think to to get to get a single to technically to get a single to a olympic gold level you don't need the level of technique you need to get an eight to an olympic gold level or you need much bigger physical capacity in the single, but you can pull your way through um, suspect technique. And I think, yeah, I think there's a few good examples of that in the world at the moment, where it's the German eight, for example, less physical capacity, maximum technical ability, wins out uh, most days. I would just, so you guys in one of your previous uh, arguments mentioned Elizabeth Leeper, the Romanian rower. No, I wanted to go so on. So she, she starts um Wait, so before you, before you go on, let's actually hear from them who Elizabeth, Elizabeth Leeper is. Elizabeth is the most uh, decorated Olympic rower in history. She rode for Romania and won multiple Olympic medals in multiple rowing events. So five golds, two silvers and a bronze, I think. Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. So her first events were sculling events. So she started her rowing career as a sculler. That's her first Olympic and medal. And as she got better, she went sculler. to the eight. And also, no. <laughs> she had As she got more skillful, she can, now she can move a skull, therefore you can move any boat class. It's a lot easier to go from a skull and adapt upwards than it is to go from an eight and adapt downwards. I am a sculler. I can hop every year into the eight for boat race. We won the eight. I can row sweep or I'm not saying I rowed pretty well, but I can still be competitive in that field. Whereas people who row the eight can't come down to a sculling level and be competitive in that field because they're not nimble enough they won't have the technical skills to move the boat as well as they should. Because in an eight, it's how hard can you go? How the the strategy in an eight race is go out as hard as you can and whoever dies first, dies first. Okay. Who could die the least? Okay, first. Whereas in the skulls race, you have to be a lot more technical and you have to be a lot more precise with the boat so that you can make sure that you're edging your bow before the entire race. It's a lot more strategic, technical, and 
than an eight is, in my opinion. Okay. Oh, in your opinion. Great. Okay. So <laughs> I'd like to go back on about Elizabeth Leeper. Yeah. She, when she doubled up, she doubled up when she raced in the singles. When she moved into the eight, she didn't double up anymore. And I'm pretty sure the reason she didn't double up is because she realized that the eight is an event that requires maximum expertise and she couldn't afford to double up in a Your facts are wrong, Jake, that that's yeah. a very poor... That's uh, poor uh, factual uh, information. She doubled up in the eight and the pair all the time. Okay. Yeah. And also, again, uh, Nicole saying, I feel that I row the skull well and the sweet not so well. Like, you're using an anecdotal evidence here to argue against our points. You know... Whether or not I feel this and I feel that, that's regardless. But I feel both of you guys have, uh, both of you, your arguments have been more about how you feel on each on each event and not necessarily about. But I'd like to argue uh, that I've been, we've been both highlighting data, historical data, medals. We've been not in this, facts. not on the expertise and the technical skill. We've, throughout the argument, we have. So they've okay, been look. using anecdotal evidence all the time. Why are you stuck on this word? Anecdotal. Do you know what it means? No. Exactly. Thanks. So, so look, we, my argument of the fact that everyone needs to row together and that that inevitably means people need to change their technique, which is a difficult thing to do, is the basis of our argument. And that rowing exactly the same, we're going to have people very different body shapes. I mean, look at the, the five people sitting around the table here. I, I mean, okay, Nicole, you're a completely different weight <laughs> division and gender to us, so maybe we'll exclude you from this. But we've got John and I who are sort of quite tall, long levers, um, and then We've got Lawrence and Jake who are very sort of solidly built, very powerful athletes. Mm, nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we, Point for Noddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we rode a Coxus, the four of us rode a Coxus four together and we somehow had to get vastly different dimensions to work in exactly the same stroke when it came to the spoon. And I think that in itself is what makes eights rowing and crew rowing really hard. Ways. I think there's a difference between crew rowing and eight rowing, though. But again, I think the fact that when you have more moving parts in any sort of mechanical system, it inherently becomes more complex, and you need more expertise to master that system. But I feel the carries over to rowing. A lot of the yes. rather mistakes that can be made. The eight is more yes. stable, which allows you to work better, and you could. It's it's much easier. The boat is set. You just got to put your. You got one blade to put in, um, and. Yes, your body types are different, but there's no, even when you row, you're not, not even have to go off like a, a drum or someone saying row, row. It's so natural if we're talking about elitist level to just to follow someone and feel the stroke out. Whereas when you're in a skull, it's, the balance is twitchy, it's difficult. Um, you have things, to know when you can to, make mistakes. Yeah. It's a lot easier to, it's a lot harder in a skull to feel the connection and lever off a connection. Whereas in the eight, you don't have to feel the boat. There's no well, feel on an eight. I'm oh. arguing about when, you move, <laughs> when, you're, moving, when you're moving that quickly, there's, there's not a lot of I'm, feel in the boat. Johnny, that was a Let's good point. Let's get some but of our we, international eights rows back on the line. We're arguing <laughs> here about what it takes to make an eight go fast. I'm not talking about hiding things. To make an eight really go fast. speaking about expertise. Yes, expertise. And technical ability. Don't come in with your anecdotes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so to come in, because we're we kind of hitting a, a roadblock here. So out of each team, which do you think is the hardest event to win? That's so hard. if you're a scholar and you... Okay, so if you're a schoolboy row, you're in matric, 
You're going into SA Champs. Which event do you Eight. think is going to be harder to win the Eight or Skull? Or you're an elite athlete, you uh, a female, and you're looking at the Skull or the Eight. Which event do you think is the is the hardest one the to eight. win? The Skull. So, I see but, this. If you so you know you go into to German rowing and you say, okay, which event now can I can I win? Am I going to go up against Oli Zeidler, 540? Or am I going to go try to take on Max Planner? Maybe not as strong. Just put myself, I've got one in eight chance of not getting in there. Whereas all of a sudden you've only got one in one chance and you've got to take on the behemoth. Yeah, and but again, Max Planner, you're talking about the right at the top. Eight rowing because there's so many people there. Many more levels that you have to get through to get to the top. With eight throwing because they're more people. But who would you take on? Like, take on more the people. It's the same yeah. amount of level. Well, it's you've got way like, more chance. You've got one in eight chance. You no, can beat, look, you've got to try beat one in eight guys. If you're going to ask us, obviously, which event is uh, more difficult? Obviously, we've got to say the eight, and you've got to say the skull. That's the whole uh, point. But of what do you mean, obviously? <laughs> no, <laughs> we're having a this discussion here. No, no I'm asking a skull. question on. Do you guys also think that the eight is harder to win than the single? Yes. Why? Yes. Okay, so. We're arguing here about what, if you're in a system, what is the hardest boat to be selected for? And I will agree, it's probably easier to be selected into a, a country's eight. Oh, yes! Yeah, okay. Okay, carry But on. then once you're in that boat, you now need to win it. If you're the best athlete in the world, it is the easiest to win the single skull. If you're the best athlete in the world, you will win the, the single skull. If you're the best athlete in the world, you now need to find seven other people, get them rowing as well as you, the same as you, and then you can only go win the eight. So I think it's, it's a bit of a vague question because there's yeah, a little bit I also too many feel like we're going off moving the, parts. The, the official <laughs> format for this debate. Okay, but I think I got, uh, no, I think I got uh, enough from uh, both teams to, to dish up a point for that very close and heated argument. Um, that brings us to the end of our official topics. Is there, are there any other topics that we haven't touched on that you guys think are, are crucial to your event that you would like to, to bring up or, or cover? Um. I think we just want to go back to the sort of the spirit of rowing. And I think a lot of us, it's human nature to, to want to make something that's bigger than just yourself. Yes, individual uh, achievement is nice, but... I think f for me personally, the the attraction to rowing is just that um, making something that's bigger than yourself. And I think the eight gives you that opportunity. I think um, in the sculling event, it's, it's easy to relate to a person. Everyone internationally, if you're watching a sport, you want to be able to relate with an athlete. You want to go on a journey with an athlete. It's so much easier to relate and go on a journey with a single scholar because you know just how much they've had to give up, how hard they have to work. They have to be mentally tough. They're there by themselves, always pushing themselves. They have no one else to rely on. They have no one else to back them. It's all yourself. It's you or nothing. And I think winning something like that is so much greater because everyone just knows how hard it is as an athlete you know training by yourself all the time how hard it is to continuously make sure you are at the right standard to be the world's best my argument against that is i think your average row doesn't want that for themselves you don't want i don't want to train by myself every day i want that team environment and that's where i think a lot of people would dream of winning the eight because of that that hiss and that camaraderie that comes with it so uh, we've covered the, the major topics 
and any obscure elements of the sports that we, we thought we, we needed to really cover. And you guys have really upped your game. And I mean, this, this debate has been pretty hot. So I want to hear the closing statements. Nothing too long, too aggressive. Let's just uh, finish it off on, on why you think your event is the pinnacle of rowing. Um, the, the, the team sculling, they led the, the opening statements. So let's have the, the eights lead the closing statements and then I'll go to my results. So I think when we opened up, we talked about the eight being the cornerstone of the sports. And I think that cornerstone goes right through the arguments we've been saying here. Um, the pinnacle of a sport, it's the fastest boat out there. Um, the racing's close and exciting. It has real historical value. You've had uh, AIDS events been happening for for centuries and decades. We've had fantastic athletes been racing in an AIDS. We've spoke, sp spoken about how the AIDS such an accessible boat towards club rowing, to collegiate rowing, to elite rowing. Um, this is the boat that people get into the sport to watch. This is the boat that people get into the sport to row with. And this is the boat that people leave the sport remembering. Um, I know... Uh, the eight is the pinnacle of the sport and I feel like Nadia and I have made a valid argument against uh, uh, the sculling team. Yeah, I think to, uh, all of Jake's points are the, the non-anecdotal side of our argument but to go a little bit to the anecdotal side rowing is an art form and I think the, the magic of rowing and as they say in Boys in the Boat the, the, the boat, the feeling of the boat that flow of the boat that's why so many of us do it. And that's absolutely epitomized in the eight. The eight is the magic of rowing. And that's why I think it's the pinnacle of rowing. Sure. Touching on the heartstrings there, Noddy. And good facts out there, Jakey. So let's hear the closing statement from Team Scaling. Who's going to take it away for you guys? I will. As always. So, as always. <laughs> um, I think the reason why... Uh, the Skull event is the best event in rowing is because it's one of the only events where I've seen camaraderie between competitors. I've seen so many scholars, you know, if one loses and one wins, the loser will actually be like, yes, well done, because they understand how hard it has been for that person to get where they are. Like, they, they do support each other and they do work hard they embody everything from determination to motivation to perseverance and even to supporting each other and respecting one another, which I think is good. And going on the boat feel, I, I feel like my vision of a perfect rowing session would be a morning row when the sun's coming up in my skull. And it's all you see is the two puddles going in and out, your blades going in and out and just two puddles washing away. Um, and that sound of just blades in and blades out in the skull is it's mesmerizing to me My big thing is um, Your name will be remembered forever. Um, I feel the The skull it's you your legacy and it's your legacy that will live on and you won't be Diluted in the back of an age you're gonna be your name's gonna be out there people respect you um, because you've been one of the best athletes if you were on the lead stage you're going to be remembered um, and yeah, no, it's <laughs> I don't know what to say now <laughs> I 
think the, the, the speed is never in question if you're in a skull. No one ever questions whether you're a, a foster or if you're in the single skull because that's why you're there. Because you're the fast skuller. Sure. Okay. I like both the, the closing statement. I think you guys, just like the, the opening statements, I think you... You know, we, we've gone through a lot of facts through the through the day, but we, we started and ended with the emotional appeal of rowing and and I think that's for me is is why rowing is so cool, is that on both sides, the, the eight and the, the skull, there's such unique elements to to performing in them and like performing in both it's it's very easy to argue for both sides I think as I've as I've seen to today. So really, really cool and really, really close. I, I think uh, on my results, sure. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Please keep the celebratory hip thrusts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I had um, uh, so I've given points out for for most of the, for all the topics that we discussed, and I would like to say that the skull just came out on top. Oh, yes, I can't believe it. I, I can't, can't believe it. You said nothing for the team. Wait, wait, wait. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jakey, Jakey, calm, 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 calm. Just, Jake, come and accept your last one. That's bullshit. Yeah, that's not that's not worrying me. That's bullshit. No, the fact that I had to argue against Lawrence halfway through. You didn't have to argue against me. And you guys know, because the... This is horseshit. We were much better than you the whole time. Okay, wait. I would like to... Go I'm over my event, my results because I think uh, I do think that I'm not going to be I'm not the the we're going to put it to the Instagram polls no and way. we're going to ask our listeners what they think because I think that many people have a different opinion. But so on my points, so I just gave a point one or not to to on each topic, and I think that the accessibility and the outside events and the history and the consistency of the event you guys crushed. Like there was no. It wasn't even close. You, your arguments were, were way better, and that just and I think you 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 really nailed, nailed it down there on why it was why the eight was better. But then on the best racing and the best athletes, I had these two um, leading the charge, and those were much closer. So those were really tight. But I think that they won those points just on on the points that on the, the the elements that they highlighted. They were much they were closer to the topics that I that we had put out. And then on the expertise and the skill, I mean, it was, again, really, really close between the two. But I thought that the, the scholars articulated their oh elements better, a little bit better. Guys, it was <laughs> close. I, it was really close. That's the fact that I brought up the coaches. They didn't even say anything. That was a, they didn't even argue against well, that point. point. That was why it was close. That was why it was close. fucking mm. bullshit. Jake, whoa. The people will listen to this and they will say that we were one. Our arguments were better in every way or form. Jake, I don't know why you're so touched. Just touched a fucking trial. I lost this shit. I can't believe I lost to your, I feel, I think, bullshit. Oh, Carl, Carl, can we not not yell at the mic? Because that's going to kill someone's poor ears at the end of the day. In case someone's wondering, we're not a competitive bunch at all. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. Case in point of the competitiveness arose. Let's have a slight friendly debate about two events that none of us are competing in <laughs> get to the end and people are losing their minds that they they haven't uh haven't wait, won off the topic though, no no like, wait not even, okay go ahead. so yeah, we, we're gonna finish off yeah so i just uh i know it was tight and i really want to hear how the listeners are so there's something new me and jake are doing 
and let us know what you think. If you think the, the, the format worked, if there was anything else that you think we really missed that we didn't uh, talk about in the debate. And just a big thanks to, to all our guests, to John, Nicole, and Noddy, David. Uh, really thanks. I know we've had some of you on the show before, and Nicole, for your first Woo-hoo! time on the show. Welcome. Uh, yeah. team. Really, really, I'm, I'm so impressed uh, with the research that you guys did and your own knowledge. Really, really impressive. I mean, just name after name. I couldn't even keep up with uh, my fact-checking on some of the, <laughs> some of the topics, but uh, really, really awesome and... Good job from from both teams. Thanks so much for for coming in on the show. Yeah, and Jake, anything you I, want to I just wanted to with? add there and say that um, we've brought up a lot of names and uh, people and just uh, boats and stuff. And I think uh, they've been we've used people t- as examples for and against the arguments. And I think I just want to go out and say that the reason we're using them is because of the, whatever argument they were for or against, they were the best in their class and. Uh, utmost respect to every single person we've referred to throughout this argument and every single system or event that we've referred to. The big respect there for the events out there. And thanks for the sculling team for arguing against I us. I would like to say thank you so much, Jake. Thank you for letting me win. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, no, it's my descending. <laughs> so, um, excuse Jake's uh, wild language. Um, <laughs> just, I know we spoke about a lot of names there. So if you if you if you're at school or maybe uh, you 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 were quite interested or you got a bit lost in some of the names that we spoke about there, we've had quite a few people that we mentioned on the show. So we've had um, Janine Gamelin. That's episode twenty three. She's uh, the Swiss lightweight, uh, Swiss heavyweight woman scholar. We've had Emily Regan. She's from the American Women's Eight. Um, we've had Jake Wetzel oh, so Oli uh, sorry we've had Olaf Tufta as well he's episode 15 and 16 uh, Pete Reed is racing the 8 as well that's um, episode 20 so just go back and, and go and listen to I mean these guys have such epic things to talk about their, their events and it's the reason why me and Jake started talking about having the great debate is because there's such epic names and epic races in each event and, and it's really really cool to see so yeah, go and listen to our past episodes if this is one of your first ones. Otherwise, thanks for, for listening to the show. And thanks, everyone, for coming on. Yeah, Great cool. team. Thanks, Thank guys. you. And that's a wrap. Cheers. Bye. Nice, Nicole. Nice. So that's a wrap for the Great Debate. Um, like, once again, let us know what you think. Uh, if you enjoyed it, if you, if you hated it, let us know. Uh, hit us up with uh, some questions. Who did you think uh, won the debate? I know uh, Jakey was rather upset with the result and the outcome, um, but that's just the way I scored it. So <laughs> let me know if you disagree, if you agree. Uh, even, uh, yeah, just hit us up. Yeah, listen, I don't have much to say. I'm still reeling from that loss. We got robbed of that uh, of that result, but... Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm sure um, there was there were lots of parts there that were uh, full of banter, and uh, I apologize for my uh, artistic license of my language. Cool, that's a wrap for us, Jakey. Let's go grab ice cream. Sweet, cheers, guys.